But it's good to be here. And one, just a, a thank you uh, for the partnership we have together with Christ City and uh, how much we have uh, been together over the years and how much you have supported uh, our work through the Voices Project and those kind of things. We are uh, incredibly appreciative and thankful, grateful for who you are and, uh, and what you uh, continue to be a partner with us in, in this work. Um, and uh, I didn't know Tamara was going to be here. <laughs> I have a really close friend who happens to be here. Uh, Tamara Weitzma is over there, and I'm like, what are you doing in D.C.? So, um, uh, her daughter, Mary Joy, um, is uh, uh, really special to our family, um, and I, I am her crazy uncle, pretty much, and uh, uh, glad to see that she is moving to D.C. and glad to see her. Um, just know, don't mess with Mary Joy, because she got a crazy uncle. Um, <laughs> And uh, she got some more uncles in Philly. They can be up here real quick, all right? So, uh, so y'all, 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 welcome her and, and treat her right. So, yeah, I mean, Ecclesiastes. I, I'm like, what, what, are you, what, Justin? What's wrong? Why do y'all pick the hardest scriptures possible uh, to study and, and do a series on? Uh, so, I'm reading this, going, what, what is wrong with them? Um, but this, uh, this scripture, um, I think, speaks to us today in some really, uh, some really powerful ways and, and probably a reminder for many of you and many of us who, who live and work in this space of justice. I think this, this, script, this scripture speaks to us in, in, in a deep way. Um, and you already know that uh, this is uh, written by one of David's sons, most likely Solomon. Uh, and well, Solomon's place, or one David's son uh, in this particular scripture, uh, is speaking to us from a place of, of power uh, and a place of wealth, uh, a pay, place of privilege, and has many possessions. So, uh, so, so Solomon, if you will, who's attributed to, to writing this, uh, is now trying to understand the meaning behind all of this, right? Uh, 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 has, has some power, got some wealth, got some privilege, got everything he wants, right? Uh, and it's coming to this idea like, I'm not sure any of this means anything. And, 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 and he's seeing something or uh, 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 alluding to something uh, that intrigues him, I think, out of this, and that is he's, he's seeing meaninglessness in a lot, but he's also uh, intrigued by the folks who don't have these things, but yet seem a little more grounded and rooted in their lives. And, and you know, he even goes as far as say, they sleep at night, and I don't sleep, right? Uh, and... Uh, so, so Solomon is, is letting us into something he's, he's wrestling with here. Um, uh, these folks serving him seem to have something he can't get. He can't, he can't wrap his head around. He can't grasp, right? Uh, and, he, and he says, if you, see, if you see the poor and the oppressed in a district, this was written right to D.C., district. That's interesting. 
uh, and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't think many people who spend any amount of time in the district, our district, making this contemporary is surprised at oppression uh, and injustice. And uh, Solomon is making this clear, the writer of this book is making this clear, saying don't be surprised at this. Uh, there are deep levels of oppression. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, the, the depth of this and the purpose of this. Right. Uh, it, uh, as as I see it, see it and understand it is that it is actually to keep people in lower places. Right. Um, uh, it doesn't exist just at, on the top at what we see is deeply rooted in a system and is not by mistake that it happens, right? Oppression doesn't just happen, right? It just doesn't come about, right? Oh my goodness, look what just popped up, some oppression, right? That's not how it works. Uh, this writer is giving us the scoop on it and saying, the oppression you see what you got to remember is there is someone else behind that, right? And someone else behind that, right? And it leads all to the top, to the king, right? That, that at the end of the day, this oppression is going to lead to one or two persons or family, right? Benefiting from it. And it's systematic. So really, right, like us getting heavily involved or, or coming down hard on the oppression that we can actually see, there is so much more behind that, right? Amen? I think I'm preaching to the choir, so y'all got to give me some amens, all right? The choir can't be quiet, right? So uh, an and, and example is... Uh, I, I, in, in, I live in Oregon, and uh, yeah, I live in the woo -hoo, woo -hoo. Every time, <laughs> anyway, you know how you go out and you're like, hey, I'm, in, I'm from here, or I'm from here, and there's people from those places. I always go, I live in Oregon. <laughs> so so uh, uh, I read something recently where half of Oregon, right, makes less money and has less wealth than three people. Half of the entire state, right? Uh, uh, the owner of Nike, the owner of Columbia, and the owner of Dutch Brothers Coffee, right? Yeah, sneakers, right? Outdoor gear and coffee. That's just kind of Oregon, right? Those three people, three people, right, own 50% of the wealth of the state. So, am I going to be, like, the person who is responsible, who gets, like, uh, benefits from oppression, really always winds its way to only a few people. Now, that's not for us to get mad at those few people. That's for us to understand the system and how we need to work and think about breaking it down differently. 
That's if you are, a, you know, if you stand for justice. I, I, I'm, you know, no, no judgment here. <laughs> but what Solomon also says is that oppression leads to a perversion of justice, right? That it's, uh, uh, it gets altered, right? Uh, uh, it gets blurry. We can't, uh, in this space is where we see and uh, are experiencing uh, for some of us or are or, or working within spaces of, uh, of oppression, then, then justice gets blurred, right? New narratives are created, uh, and uh, uh, justice gets slowly driven out of us. Example, this weekend, we got a holiday named for a person discovering a place where there was already people. That's perversion, y'all. Right? Like, wait, you, you discovered a place and there were people there? How is that possible? Right? I mean, at best... At best, you, you, like, you stole something. At best. Like, wait, y'all worship this white dude who was not from America or the middle. He wasn't white. But all the pictures of him are white. Most, mostly. It's changing. But that's perversion, right? Our, our, our sense of justice, living and seeing and understanding and experiencing oppression, even for, for those who oppress and those who sit under it, our sense of justice gets perverted. It gets skewed. It gets off. And we don't, like, it's blurry. We can't really see it all the time. The writer here says it leads to perversion. We can't always see right and wrong. We can't always understand the corruption around us. That's the like that's one part of what what the writer here what Solomon is saying and then the second part he says is this idea around money. That 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 uh, that whoever loves money, um, they will never have enough, right? So so there's this there's oppression before us. There's a blur around uh, uh, what justice really is as we celebrate Columbia. I mean, indigenous people. I mean, like right? This blurry. And then this idea of what money means drives it even deeper, right? Now, I, I, I always got to put a little caveat in here that, that I grew up extremely poor, so getting paid was like, like I, I, you know, I need to make some money, right? 
So I am not talking about not having money. What the writer here is saying is when our gaze and our love of money, right, and, 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 and how we chase money is, is mixed in here, we got some trouble. That not only do I have to think about, like, how I clear up justice in my mind, right, but I also, in that space, can't fall in love with this idea of money. I don't know how many of you grew up uh, without any of it, but like it can, like the chase of it can capture your heart, right? Like, like my, my family got kicked out on the streets. I want a house, babe, like, you know? And I'm going to go after that. And I'm falling, like, like, I'm chasing the quan. I don't know about you. I don't know what your experience is, but it's easy to go down that path. And Solomon makes it clear, hey, that is a mistake. And remember, this is a person, this writer has everything. This writer had wants for no possession and goes, if you start chasing this thing, you're going to be in trouble. If this thing captures your heart, then you're in trouble. The love of money, right? Not having money, please don't get me wrong here. But the love of it, if it captures your heart, we're in trouble. We're done. So, the, the writer here says, like, you, you will never have enough. That is the danger of falling in love with it. It just keeps you wanting more. How do I get more of it? How do I save up more of it? How do I invest more of it to get more of it? How do I get in partnerships and relationships to get more of it? And he says, uh, uh, I, I want, the scripture doesn't, uh, doesn't, doesn't condemn like having money, but it warns against putting it in our heart because some things that happens from that, just a couple things real quick. It, 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 it begins to dictate our relationships based on income levels, right? When we fall in love with it, like, like certain people we want to be around and certain people we don't want to be around, right? You ever, heard of, you ever heard the statement, kings talk to kings? It, it creates hierarchy, those with, those without. It creates arrogance. Like, we try to solve homelessness without homeless people. Right? We, like, like, those with all of a sudden have some kind of magic where they know everything about everybody to solve all the problems in the world simply because they love and chase after the money. There's something... There's something not clear in that, right? 
Because you, because you have money, you know more? There's something, right, something wrong with us. It creates this human distinction called elitism. Right? And y'all already know, there are no elite human beings. That, is, that does not exist in God's economy. God doesn't have an elite section. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For it is the will of God, right, to have everyone a part of his kingdom. If God cares for anyone more, it's those without. If there's any leaning in Scripture, the leaning in Scripture is to those who are on the margins. Not to those who are wealthy. We have completely got that wrong. You think God loves you more because you got money. Man, do, what Bible are you reading? What seminary did you go to? What, never mind. No. <laughs> it warps our sense of community, drives us into me, myself, and I. Oh, it's about me. It's about my family. It's about my people. I got to get, get my folks in place. Then there's this other observation that the writer has that I think is quite interesting. That the writer of Ecclesiastes notices or observes that uh, the sleep of a laborer is sweet, right? This person with everything they want, all the money they want, all the wealth they want, right? All the indulgence they possibly want and notices these folks serving me sleep every night, right? They rest. What is that? Whether they eat little uh, or much, they, their sleep is sweet, right? And, and, and I don't think this is just talking about, like, going to sleep at night, right? Although I'm, I, I, like, my wife and I go back and forth all the time because give me two minutes, I'm out, bro. Like, no problems. <laughs> I might be more spiritual than Donna. We need to... <laughs> We need to check that out. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. I think this is talking about anxiousness, right? And anxiety and needing to keep the things that we acquire and making sure, like, you know, you know, uh, uh, you know, you know uh, it, is, it is probably some people's worst nightmare to be poor. But I, whoa, I'm going to be poor? Right? Think about that. Not, not, not that, like, I, like I'm going to get sick somehow or, uh, or something's going to happen to one of my kids. Like, 
being poor is measured with those things. I think that is what this writer is alluding to around sleep. It's about rest. It's about anxiety. It's about chasing and keeping this position that we think we should have in life. And then we create false things to make people feel good about it. Like you get on a plane first. Right? And it makes you feel good. I'm in group one. Or you pay a little extra at Disney and you go in the line where you don't have to wait for folks. That makes you feel good. Right? There's all these false things that are created to deal with the anxiousness of keeping your wealth and keeping like, like that elitist position. And this writer is challenging that. Says you don't sleep. You don't rest. You're anxious. You worry a lot. I think that's what this is alluding to. Then this writer, um, this is what I have observed to be good. That it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during a few days, during the few days of life that God is giving them. For this is their life, lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. Hmm. So there's something about wealth and justice and wealth in how we acquire it and how we use it and how we enjoy it that leads to a different ending. This writer said, if we're able to do that, if we're able to enjoy it, put it in its right place in our lives, right, uh, uh, and, and, uh, and deal with it well, then we have a gift. And I like how, how this, writer, this, this writer separates wealth and possessions, right? That uh, sometimes I, we think those are the same, but... But this writer separates, if we, if we, if we have wealth and possessions, uses the, both ideas here. If we have affluence and abundance, right, which I think you can possess without money, right, and we have possessions, owning property and those kinds of things, we have them and the ability to enjoy them, then this is good. I, I think when we work honestly for our wealth and our possessions, this is good. When, when we pay the people that work for us a fair wage, this is good. When we hire people uh, who, are, who are most qualified and not the friends that we just know and love and keep the same group of people in a space, in a place, and in a work. When we do all of these just things well, then God says, this is good. 
So maybe, just like there's a deeper part, there's a systematic, uh, if you will, uh, oppression, right? Uh, there's a systematic injustice. Perhaps, perhaps there's something deeper about, uh, there's a systematic injustice. Perhaps there's something deeper about justice that you and I can actually take hold of. that perhaps within this space of justice, this idea of contentment lays in us. And that helps make us know and understand and live just lives. This idea of satisfaction, that, that we're not surrounded by people who just wanna devour what we have, but people who wanna be in community with us. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their lives because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Gladness of heart. What is that? That seems like something, a place that we might want to pursue. How do I get to gladness of heart? How does this godly contentment become the thing that drives my life? I grew up in a, in a, 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 a black Baptist church, and uh, we had a mother's board. Right, and uh, the mothers, they, if they were here, they would be sitting right here, right? And uh, they would be saying amen, but if I said something wrong, they'd be saying, help them, Jesus, right? <laughs> that, 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 that's kind of where I grew up. So I would always know if I'm on track or off, right? If I heard of help them, Jesus, I'd be like, oh, let me check my notes again, you know? <laughs> but they used to sing this song, um, that became popular in these circles, and it would say, I have, I've ha I have had some good days. I have had some bad days. I have had some weary days. But when I look back, it seems that my good days have outweighed my weary days, and I won't complain. Now, many of these mothers had uh, little by the way of possessions, but everything by the way of contentment. Nothing, like, n it didn't seem like anything rocked their worlds. They just kind of dealt with it and moved through. That's, man, that's some old religion that I wish we could keep in our midst. I've had some good days. I've had some bad days. I've had some weary days. But it seems like my good days have out, outweighed my bad days. So guess what? I'm going to be content and not complain. Last thing. I, I'm not sure based on this, that 
if, that we can get to justice without gladness of heart. I think it stays blurry for us. If we can't get to this godly contentment, I'm not sure that the lines of justice aren't always blurred. And what comes in is exactly what we read this writer saying is meaningless. Without gladness of heart, it just becomes meaningless. And that will permeate our being. A meaningless demeanor with a love for money and a blurred sense of justice is deadly and makes us numb. And then guess what? We just live for ourselves. Hey, I'm going to take care of me and mine. And me and mine going to be okay. Whatever else is happening in the world, whatever. So what? Russia's in, invading Ukraine. So what? Like, there's so many queer homeless folks on the street in my city in Portland. Oh, well, God bless you. Go in peace. So what? Like, we wake up yesterday to a war in the Middle East. Me and mine are okay. That tells us something about where our hearts are, and our hearts are not glad. Then we justify, we justify privilege, we justify elitism, right? And, uh, and the perversion sits in us. Then it makes sense. It makes sense if you're not if you're not documented in this country and we take your kids away from you and you're separated at a border, have no idea where you are. Oh well. Because our justice is perverted. Prisons for profit? Oh yeah, that makes sense. Make some money off of it. Women making less than men, no problem. Cool. Oh, hey. Women fight for your right. One country taking over another, no big deal, huh? These are the repercussions of hearts that are not glad. And I think uh, if you and I move towards what does contentment and a glad heart bring me in, how does that bring me deeper into the space of justice in disrupting and dismantling the injustice around us? A system that leads right back to the top where only a few people benefit from it. God, make my heart glad so that I sit in this space well and represent contentment and justice in a different way. Let's pray.